Do you find yourself reacting without thinking? Does anxiety impel you to action? How can you pause and not react? Welcome to episode 242 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Nancy, Deborah, Kathleen, and Lucy. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Nancy, Deborah, Kathleen, and Lucy, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. When opened with a reading from our daily reader, Courage to Change, this is August 17th. After living in the chaos of an alcoholic relationship, it can be hard to know the difference between a minor inconvenience and a major crisis. Alanon's slogan, How Important Is It?, helps many of us to regain some sense of proportion. When plans fall through, when unexpected bills arrive, when I'm disappointed in someone's response, I can ask myself, How important is it? Most of the time, I find what I might have viewed as a disaster is really insignificant. If I try to keep my attention on this day, instead of worrying about possible future consequences, I can take my disappointment or irritation at face value and refuse to dramatize it. Because of this simple slogan, many days that I once have seen as tragic are now filled with serenity and confidence. Reminder, today if I encounter an upsetting situation, I will ask myself, how important is it? before I react. I may find that it is not important enough to sacrifice my serenity. A little while ago, Daphne wrote with this question. Hi, Spencer. I was wondering if you could do a talk on how not to act or react on the first impulsive thought or feeling, and how do others sit with uncomfortable feelings and act on God's will, not my will. Letting time pass a month or longer or a week or a few days seems impossible When I am so anxious, how do you deal with that? How also to know God's time as I'm a naturally impulsive person and have always did things fast? Any fear I have makes me say something I regret later or take action too soon, as I don't give myself enough time to write and meditate and breathe. Really appreciate your show, any wisdom you can share or provide for comfort. God bless. Daphne from Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. And you know, Daphne, that's <laughs> that's a great question. It really is because I know I found myself in the pace of just reacting to some situation, reacting to something somebody said, reacting to something that happened, or reacting to something that hasn't happened but that I fear will happen. I feel that I must do something immediately to prevent it from happening. We have talked I think many times in this podcast about what we call the Al-Anon pause button. This is the recognition that we don't have to always respond immediately, that we can hit pause, that we can ask for help from a higher power, ask for help from program literature, ask for help from an Al-Anon friend or a sponsor, or maybe just take a moment for the emotion to calm. 
And as the reading notes, one of the questions we can ask, and there's a number of slogans that that can help with this. One of the questions we can ask is this slogan, how important is it? Is it really important for me to do something right now? Is it really important for me to do anything at all? Or is it perhaps more important for me to guard my serenity? As it says here, most of the time I find that what I might have viewed as a disaster is really insignificant. And to keep the attention on this day instead of worrying about possible future consequences. So that's one thing. How important is it? I have used that question in a number of different ways. The one that is probably most common is when I feel that I need to respond to something that my loved one has said that I see as wrong, that I see as not complete, that I see as incorrect. And I I feel this need to correct or to amplify or to just put my bit in. When I can remember to ask myself, is this an important thing? Is it really important that I be 100% right? Is it really important that my loved one has it right? Or is it more important to preserve my serenity and, you know, the saying, would you rather be right or happy, right? The reading also talks about just in general, is it important for me to do this thing right now that is going to break my serenity? Or is it better to keep my serenity and not act? Okay, so there's a question that, that we can ask ourselves, but what Daphne asked is, is how do I get there? Right? How do I get there? So a couple more slogans that I think can be helpful here. First things first, from the book How Elanon Works in Chapter 9 about the slogans, first things first encourages us to take a moment to set priorities. Before we react, we can ask ourselves, what is of primary importance right now? When planning our morning, we can consider which of our quiet needs might deserve attention. In the midst of a heated discussion, we can stick with the topic that concerns us and set aside other matters that are not so pressing. When there doesn't seem to be enough hours in the day, we can accept our limitations and make choices about what has to be done at once and what can be postponed. We are not superhuman. We cannot do it all. First things first helps us make more workable choices and to live with the choices we make. And again, that's another tool. You know, the slogans, uh, I like what Eric likes to say about the slogans. He says the slogans are like pocket change. I can pull them out when I need them without having to you know, remember something bigger without having to pull out my wallet and get out a bill if I guess I'm going to continue that metaphor. You know, it's three words. First things first. And maybe that's easier to remember than, oh, wait, I need to slow down. I need to consider whether this is really the, the thing that I need to be doing right now. First things first. Easy to say. Easy to remember. How important is it? Four words. There's also this reading that I love on page 30 of How Elanon Works. The section is recognizing our options. Chapter 6, The Family Disease of Alcoholism. Alcoholics act, and family members and friends react. Most of the time, we react because we don't realize we have a choice. It's automatic. In Al-Anon, we are reminded that we have choices. Continuing in the next paragraph, it's as if we were holding one end of a rope, an alcoholic grabbed the other end and started to tug. Most of us would react automatically. We would tug back. It never occurs to us that we don't have to play. If we knew we had options, we might choose to drop the rope. 
There is no tug of war unless both players hang on to their ends. It's not an official slogan from the book, but I and many of my friends in Al-Anon have adopted this slogan of drop the rope, or even better, don't pick up the rope. But if you pick up the rope, you can always drop it. Which leads me to the observation that I think is maybe crucial in this discussion, which is, hey, we've got all these great principles, but I don't remember to apply them. And the thing is, it takes practice. I didn't get them all right away. I didn't get any of them right away. I heard them, and I thought, oh, those are great tools. That's a great thing to remember to do. And then the next time I went to react, boom, reaction. I didn't say, wait, wait, how important is it? First things first. Don't, don't pick up the rope. I reacted. In my experience, there's, there's a progression here, right? It takes practice, and there are steps. And it sort of parallels the, the three A's that we've talked about, this awareness, acceptance, and action. The old way is, boom, straight to action, okay? Which actually is not the way I wanted to go with this. So awareness, acceptance, and action says that first we become aware of, let's say, a problem. We become aware of a situation. Then the next step is not to immediately address it. The next step is to sit with it and and come to an acceptance of what really is, not what our first impression is, not what we want it to be, but what really is. And then we can move forward to action. Well, it's a little bit different than what I'm talking about here, but it it has that same framework that in sort of removing a defective character, and I would say that in this context, this feeling that I have to react right away, that I'm going to sit in anxiety if if I can't do something, that same framework applies, which is first I become aware of it. Okay. So, you know, Daphne wrote and said, wow, I react. I can't not react because I get so anxious. It's really hard to sit and, and meditate and think and talk to my Al-Anon friends and read the literature to know what maybe is the best approach. So I just do something. I'm paraphrasing what she said. So you become aware of the fact that this is happening and that, oh, I want it to be different. And of course, in our steps, becoming aware of it, admitting it, and steps four and five. And then in step six, we become ready to have it removed. And in step seven, we ask for it to be removed. And so what's not stated there, but is in the literature in many places, is that in step six and seven, we not only have to ask for help from a higher power, but then it is our part to practice new behavior. So I become aware that I'm doing this. And at the beginning, I notice it after I do it. And sometimes I notice it like way after I do it. And so the first part of my progress, and this is really part of step six, I think, is is bringing that awareness of doing it closer and closer to the action. But it still happens after the action. And eventually I get to a point where I notice it as I'm doing it. And this gives me an opportunity because if I notice it as I'm doing it, I can reset. I can hit that pause button. I can say, wait, this is not something I want to do what can I do differently right now? I can try to stop doing this right now. I can stop my reaction. I can do something different right now. And yeah, I stepped into the behavior, but I can step back out. The next step is that I notice when I'm about to do it. Okay. Somebody does something, somebody says something that in the past I would have reacted to just sort of instinctively. I would have reacted out of anxiety or fear or just because. 
because I had to do something. If I notice it before I start the behavior, then again, I can reset, I can pause. I can ask myself, how important is it? Is this a first thing? Is this something that's going to wreck my serenity if I do it? And then I will be okay if I don't do it. And I can start to practice not doing it. And what happens as I practice that, what happens is that I find the occasions when I start the behavior to become fewer and fewer. And that's my higher power working, working to help me to eliminate this defective character. So that's the process, but it does take practice. A really important thing for me is to remember that I am human, that I do have flaws, that I do have these defects of character, and that I am doing the best that I can. And so if in the heat of a moment I react and I don't catch myself until afterwards, it's okay. It's okay. I can always reset. I can always start over. I can forgive myself just as my higher power will forgive me and love me regardless of my behavior. I can learn to love myself. I can learn to treat myself gently, even when I'm doing things that I don't want to be doing. So don't kick myself while I'm learning to be a new person. A friend recently texted me and said something like, I need some literature. I I don't have it with me and I'm sick with worry and anxiety. Can, Can you send me something? And I found this reading from January 10th that apparently was exactly the right thing. I suspect that if I reclaimed all the minutes, hours, and days I've sacrificed to worry and fear, I'd add years to my life. When I succumb to worry, I open a Pandora's box of terrifying pictures, paranoid voices, and relentless self-criticism. The more attention I pay to this mental static, the more I lose my foothold in reality. Then nothing useful can be accomplished. To break the cycle of worry and fear, I'm learning to focus all my attention on this very moment. I can turn away from destructive thoughts and concentrate instead on the sights and sounds around me. Light and shadows, the earth beneath my feet, the pulse of everyday living, all pieces of the here and now. These bits of reality help rescue me from what-ifs and should-haves by anchoring me in the present. Prayer and meditation, the slogans, and phone calls to Al-Anon friends are other sources of serenity that bring me back to this moment. As I shut out the noise, I am more receptive to my higher power's will and therefore much more able to work my way through difficult times. A reminder from that reading, this day is all I have to work with, and it is all I need. If I am tempted to worry about tomorrow's concerns, I will gently bring my mind back to today. I love that reading. And done at least one episode about worry. Episode 119 about worry. We talked about that in a lot more detail. The reading talks about focusing on the now when we're worrying about the future. Where am I right now? What is happening right now? What joy is there in the moment? What beauty is there in the moment that I'm missing if I'm worrying about the future? And I think, you know, where Daphne said, letting time pass seems impossible when I am so anxious. And I think this meditation, this is essentially a meditation on worry, a meditation on how to let go of worry. That we know that anxiety Worry doesn't change anything in the future. You know, worry is not preparation, right? When we've done what we can, then I can let go of what I, what I can't do right now and be, be here now. 
not easy. It takes practice. Again, it takes practice. And this is, I think, one of the reasons that the program, our program encourages us to, to engage in prayer and meditation, because both of those, in the way that I've learned to practice them, bring me into the now. Especially meditation brings me into the now and helps me to learn to let go of those thoughts that are churning around in my head. Because I can practice, again, it's about practice, it's about practicing letting go of things that are not needed right now. And during meditation, of course, no thoughts are needed. And so it gives us this practice, gives me this practice of letting it go by and not having to grab it, not having to have it grab me, I think. So prayer and meditation, it takes practice. And, and you know, Daphne, there's, there's, no, there's no quick answer here. You know, you say, I say something I regret later or take action too soon. This is the awareness. This is the awareness after the fact. So pay attention. This is, this is my experience. When I pay attention, when I pay attention, then I start to notice it sooner. And I do get to the place where I notice it before it happens. And I can do something different. And I don't know if that's the answer for you, but that's, that was sort of my answer to this question. So I found some music, as, as I like to do, and you can listen to the songs that I talk about at the recovery.show slash 242, which is this episode. The first song is by Brad Sucks. It's called Overreaction. It seemed, um, perhaps over-appropriate. I don't know. Sort of an emo song. When there's no place you feel at home, and you think you'd be better off alone, when you think there's no reason to try, and you hate yourself and want to die, oh, you're overreacting. You can change your mind. Oh, you're overreacting. Take your time. this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery. I wasn't sure I was going to do an episode this week. I was traveling during the week. I came home tired and then I got sick and thought, well, I have to take care of myself. I can't do an episode, but as it happens, I'm still sick and it's Monday. So I'm home from work, which is to say, I don't want to impose my sickness on the people at work, but I do have a little bit of energy. So we get an episode this week. Yay. So taking care of myself, but also, you know, Asking what's important, what's the first thing? The first thing is take care of myself, and once I've done that, maybe I can record a bit of a podcast here. So, using recovery. Last week we had a a work meeting that I had to travel for, went to New York City, spent a day and a half meeting with other members of my organization, other people who in some way or another manage people within the organization, whether it's officially as a boss or unofficially as a team lead, which is more or less my position, talking about how we can be, basically how we can be better managers, how we can better lead the people that we're leaving, and particularly in alignment with the values that we had identified in a previous meeting. Those values being belonging, that we work to be inclusive, that everyone should feel that they are part of whatever we're doing. Evidence is our second value, that we work to understand the benefit of what we're doing, how it moves us towards our goals and to demonstrate that evidence as we're maybe advocating for something we want to do. Our third value that we adopted is speed, that we want to do things as quickly as possible because we are 
an internet company, and man, things change so fast on the internet. But in conjunction with doing things quickly, we don't want to do things haphazardly. So speed balanced with care, I guess. Fourth value is teamwork. We work together, as our president put it, our favorite pronouns are we, us, and our. Not me, not I, not you, not they. And the fifth value is trust, that we want to be trustworthy and to trust others. The short slogan for that one is we say what we do and we do what we say. And so we discussed how these values fit into a number of different aspects of management. There were invigorating discussions. We were sitting at tables of between five and seven people. And as each topic was introduced, then we would talk about some aspect of it or some scenario at the table to to gain a, a deeper understanding of what we all think. And then several or more of the tables would then report out to the larger group. At the end of a day and a half, I was mentally exhausted, flew home, and the next day I was pretty useless. I mean, I was like physically present at work, but pretty useless. And now looking back, it may be that whatever it was that attacked my body on Saturday might have been already settling in. That's a possibility as well. But I felt like so much of what we talked about, there was a really interesting presentation and a a TED talk about receiving feedback. And to me, that just meshed really well with everything that I've learned and done in the program around our inventory and inventory step and, you know, step five, admitting to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs, that learning to see myself more honestly and learning to accept, more than accept, like welcome discovery of things that I still want to work on goes a long way towards making it easier to take that, that feedback, both positive and negative, actually. I have a hard time, have had a hard time in the past accepting positive feedback. Oh, it was nothing, really. No, thank you. That's what I've learned to say, just thank you. And to to take it in and to really, you know, understand it as being part of me. It's important. So that was that. Was that. Had an interesting meeting last night. We opened the meeting with a reading from March 14th about pigeons. One beautiful day, a man sat down under a tree, not noticing it was full of pigeons. Shortly, the pigeons did what pigeons do best. The man shouted at the pigeons as he stormed away, resenting the pigeons as well as the offending material. But then he realized the pigeons were merely doing what pigeons do just because they're pigeons and not because he was there. The man learned to check the trees for pigeons before sitting down. And there was was a really animated set of shares around the table talking about the pigeons in our life and and how we have learned to accept that, yes, they are pigeons and they do what they do. And I reflected that my loved one, my pigeon, has changed over the years and that some of the things that I thought were inevitable are no longer happening and that I need to recognize that. If I keep viewing my loved one as the old pigeon rather than the new pigeon, I miss out. I miss out on what we can have together. So yeah, pigeons do what pigeons do. And while they're doing it, or alcoholics do what alcoholics do. And while they're doing it, we learn to, you know, check the tree. Good shares. It was a good meeting. So we've got an upcoming topic next week, how to talk to small children about recovery. Yeah, thanks to those of you who have sent in your thoughts on this topic. We welcome your thoughts. You can join the conversation. Please leave us a voicemail or send us an email. 
You can leave voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can use the voicemail button on the website, or if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecovery.show, which is our website. It has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, links to the music we talk about, and so on, including a page that has all the contact information at therecovery.show slash contact. And the second musical selection for this topic is by Norma Jean, titled Reaction. Some brief lyrics that I think could have been said by, you know, the alcoholic in my life, as the uh, the reading on page 30 has it. I just want a reaction, reaction, reaction from you, reaction from you. Yeah. Thank you for, for writing and calling. Deborah says, enjoyed your review of the March Roundup convention. Found some great new speakers to listen to. Thank you, Deborah. And if I have encouraged anybody to go to a, an Al-Anon or AA plus Al-Anon convention, totally worth it. You should do it. A listener writes, the recovery show has been a gift to me. Thank you, Spencer. I was so petrified, overwhelmed, ashamed, and feeling alone. You and your podcast gave me the courage and need to seek out a face-to-face meeting and begin working on my program. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You don't know what hope yours and others on the podcast words have given me. I'm finding joy within myself that has been lost for so long. My vulnerabilities are now my superpowers. Blessings to all of you and keep coming back. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for writing. Keeps me going, you know. We had a voicemail from Larry. This is Larry, and I um, really appreciate your podcast and just wanted to give a little uh, suggestion about a topic. My brother was a heroin addict, and I really grew up feeling like I didn't matter, and I think that that manifested in a lot of ways and really impacted me, you know, and something I've really gotten from Al-Anon and learned is is that, in fact, I do matter, and and believing that I don't matter is, is a kind of insanity. I think, the, you know, what, what what's grown for me has been self-love and self-acceptance for who I am as, you know, and that what I do or what I choose to do or not do does make a difference in the world. And so I wanted to suggest that you know, maybe I know you guys have done a bunch of topics, which is awesome, but something around self-love, um, self-acceptance, feeling like we do matter in the world and our our actions can can take a positive effect, you know, because I think it's just like the actions of the alcohol, alcoholism can be so intense and took over for me myself. <laughs> So anyways, thank you so much again for your for your show and all the time and energy you put into it. Yeah, just um, keep coming back. <laughs> all right, bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the topic suggestion. I looked back and we did episode number 36 was titled Self-Acceptance and Self-Esteem. So I recommend check that out. And it might be a good topic to do again. You know, basically... 200 episodes later. Yeah. It is a great topic because it is something that I, th- I, I know that I have struggled with in, uh, in my life too. I want to thank Lynn who left a review in iTunes. 
She writes, I really appreciate this podcast. When I can't get to a meeting, I know that I can find a community and support here. Thank you. And thank you, Lynn. iTunes reviews and ratings help to make us easier to find by those in need who are seeking recovery. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Nancy, Deborah, Kathleen, and Lucy did. And thank you again, Nancy, Deborah, Kathleen, and Lucy. We have put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link at the top of the page. If you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. And if you order from Al-Anon, we don't get a commission because Al-Anon deserves all of the money for putting out those books and making this program available. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, whether it's sharing the podcast with your friends, simply direct them to therecovery.show or just listening. We are here for you. And last song again, you can listen to this at therecovery.show slash 242 by Astrid S titled Think Before I Talk. And to me, this speaks a little bit to, you know, the solution that we're looking for, right? Looking to be able to think before opening the mouth. Man, I wonder, I don't remember who said this to me way back. You know, make sure your brain is engaged before putting your mouth in gear. Yeah, that's a, that's a manual transmission reference. So those of us who are old enough or enjoy driving manual transmissions, I guess we'll, we'll get that reference. Anyway, Astrid asked, think before I talk. I said I hate you. I was angry. I got so mad, I slammed your door. You know I really love you, baby. I didn't mean to start a war. Maybe I should think before I talk. I get emotional, and words come out all wrong. Sometimes I'm more honest than I want. So maybe I should think before. Maybe next time I'll think before I talk. Thank you for listening and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.